This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Kia ora and welcome to Beyond the Script, conversations with clinical pharmacists from the University of Otago School of Pharmacy Clinic, Hero Kawakawa, Whare sharing insights into the clinical consultations that help patients review and manage their medicines. Well, how much do you know about diabetes? We often hear about it as a link between lifestyle and diabetes. There's a bit in the media from time to time. We hear about increasing numbers of New Zealanders with the condition. Lauren Smith is a professional practice fellow at the School of Pharmacy Clinic here in Aotearoa, Dunedin. And uh, Lauren joins us now to answer some of those fundamental questions about diabetes and to tell us about the role that the pharmacy clinic plays in helping those with diabetes. Uh, Lauren, good to have you with us. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Let's start with a bit of a definition, shall we? What is diabetes? So diabetes is an endocrine condition where basically you've got too much sugar in your blood. It's too high, the level. And, you know, this can really happen when your body doesn't produce enough insulin or when you don't produce any at all or if your body um, doesn't really recognise the insulin. And so I think really what's important when we discuss diabetes is that I really explain to you what insulin does, what, what role that has, why is that important. So the best way to think about the hormone insulin is that it's, it acts like a key in our body in a way that it opens the door to let sugar from our bloodstream into our body and our cells. So if we don't have any insulin, we essentially don't have the key to open the door that lets our body bring sugar from our blood into our cells. And now you might think, well, why is that even important? So our body needs sugar which, you know, to provide energy to our cells to live, to to do everything our body does. And so if our body is not able to actually move the sugar into where it needs to be, then that's a problem. Now, what happens is if we don't have the key, so to speak, in inverted commas, or insulin, or it's not working properly, our body starts to think that we're starving, that we don't have enough sugar in our blood because there isn't any coming into the cell, so... Naturally, what we think is that's because there isn't any there. So what happens is our body then reacts to that by producing more sugar into our blood. But then again, what happens is the door's locked. We we can't get that sugar into the cells. So this keeps happening and what we end up is a huge amount of sugar in our blood, which is essentially how diabetes happens. And, And why is high blood sugar a problem? So, you know... If it was just a one-off, you know, if I was to go and eat lots of donuts today and, I, you know, um, my sugar level was high for a little bit, it's, it's not the, the biggest problem because my, I don't have diabetes so my body is regulating that. But if over time we have high sugar levels for a prolonged period of time, that can cause damage to our um, organs, so it can cause damage to our kidneys, our, our eyes, so sometimes people um, lose vision, um, can cause problems in our vascular system so we can get... Um, you'll see people, lots of people with uncontrolled diabetes have lots of leg pain and things like that. So it can cause a lot of damage, end or organ damage. Um, and you won't see it straight away, but if it's not fixed, you know, it will cause a problem over time. We hear, Lauren, about different types of diabetes. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, so, you know, with what I've just said about how insulin works, so type 1 diabetes is, is when our pancreas doesn't actually, it stops making insulin. Um, and so... The pancreas stops making insulin, which our body needs to to move the sugar into the cells. And so what happens is, like I was talking about, our body starts to go into starvation mode. And with type 1 diabetes, that's the, the real risk. Um, and there's, the only way of getting around that is to give someone 
insulin as an injection um, medication because the only way for us to get sugar from our blood into our cells is, is by insulin. Now, type 2 diabetes is slightly different in that our body sometimes will make insulin, but it, our cells aren't recognising the insulin. They're, they're becoming, you might hear people saying, resistant, um, which means you know maybe the door doesn't always open. It opens sometimes and not all of the time. Um, and over time, what happens is when the door doesn't open anymore, our body then actually stops producing the insulin. Um, so what can happen is to start with the diabetes, it's resistance. And what can end up down the line for some people is that then by proxy, our body then stops producing the insulin because it's not being recognised, which is a which is an overly simplified version of what happens. But essentially, that's kind of so your blood sugars um, will be high in, in both, but kind of from different ways. We'll talk about diagnosis in a bit, but um, if you have diabetes, is that a condition that you retain? Can it be reversed at all? So we we try to not really see it as a reversal because it, that might sound like if you reverse it, that's permanent and you'll never get it again. Now, type 1 diabetes cannot be reversed because you're, basically your pancreas has stopped working in a way it's not producing the insulin. Type 2 diabetes... Um, in the early stages can be reversed and, and the main way of doing that is by diet and lifestyle so um, eating less sugar um, exercising more and there's a lot of evidence that if you hold a lot of your weight around your your tummy and you you start getting diabetes or pre-diabetes that the way we can reverse it is by losing that weight and so that's why we hear about uh, lifestyle uh, and making that connection between lifestyle and diabetes here in New Zealand and, and around the world, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. And I think th the thing is, um, like I said, it's not permanent. So if you lost lots of weight and then your levels were fine, and then a couple of years later, then your your lifestyle sort of started to be unhealthy again, that that could come back. And so it's, it's really not about a fad diet or, or quickly trying to get something. It's about making sustainable lifestyle changes that enable you to um, live a healthy life you know, we all like a donut and we all like a bit of sugar. It's not saying that people can't have those things. It is about in moderation and making sure that um, if our body is is not pr moving the, the, the sugar over properly, um, that we are addressing that. One of the things we often hear about, Lauren, is that people kind of being taken a little bit by surprise by a diagnosis. Um, it might be something, for example, that your your, your doctor checks when you're in uh, having a discussion about some other aspect of your health. Um, how do we find out about if we have diabetes? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good question, actually. And I think um, type 2 diabetes especially is, is not something that happens overnight. It's It's a very not prolonged, but you, you might have symptoms for some time and not recognise it. So you might be getting up to go to the toilet, um, especially at night time a lot. You might be really thirsty. You might be, you know, feeling like you're just hungry all the time or really tired. Um, and so what you might not pick up as being symptoms, it might just be you've got a busy lifestyle and it actually could be symptoms that you um, potentially have developed or are de developing diabetes. And similarly, one thing as a pharmacist, when people come to the pharmacy and they might want to buy medications for um, fungal infections and things, it can often seem like we're being overly questioning, but actually having um, repeated infections like those sort of infections can actually also be a sign of diabetes which is why we, we do question about it. And so we pick it up how? So um, 
there are a couple of ways. That the, the main t- way is there's a test called an HbA1c that your, your GP can do for you. And um, this is a test that, that really basically reflects the, the average amount of glucose in your bloodstream over a period of 8 to 12 weeks. Um, so there's, there's no cheating in this test. I've, ha- I've had <laughs> some people say, but I ate really well last week. And unfortunately, this test, this test will look at how, well, how much sugar has been attached to your red blood cells um, over a period of 8 to 12 weeks. So, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the gold standard way of testing. And sort of um, anything over 40 millimoles um, would be considered sort of pre-diabetes and kind of getting into that realm. But as a patient, I don't think that's something that um, they really need to worry too much about. I think um, if they have symptoms, it's just making sure they're highlighting those to their health professional. And equally, another way that we can test is by doing um, a blood glucose level. You might see people with diabetes using the little strips and testing themselves. Um, pharmacies can certainly do them if you if you were to go in and ask for one. Um, and basically, that that will tell us um, how much is in you know glucose is in your blood at the moment. And there are different cutoffs based on if you've eaten or if you haven't eaten that that might give us an indication that your um, body isn't moving that glucose or sugar from your blood into the cells quite in the way that we would expect. So when we see those kind of national campaigns or local campaigns about diabetes awareness, often there'll be an opportunity to do a, a, a prick test on, on, on a finger or thumb, whatever, that, that it's a starting point. Yeah, definitely. And I think so um, a randomised sort of um, blood glucose test that you might get. So if, you know, just off the street today, if Jeff, if I was to do one for you, if that was over 11 would be the number um, millimoles. I might want to to get another t- the other HbA1c test to to tell me actually what is going on. But equally, it might be that you've just eaten a couple of hours ago um, and had a really large sugary um, drink and sugary meal, um, which was abnormal for your diet. Um, but in general, yes, if you get those tests, that can give us a starting point. If we've got a regular relationship with our general practitioner we would hope that these kind of things would be covered in our general discussions about health but let's face it not everyone regularly sees their GP and GPs don't necessarily offer the same extent of service as the clinic does so let's talk about the clinic and, and why people should come to the clinic. Yeah so um, our clinic and um, we have three sort of registered health professional pharmacists we're all clinical pharmacists and you know what is so great for you know for us is that we can provide patients with an hour-long appointment which you know I can't remember the last time I got to spend an hour speaking with someone just about me um, and that doesn't have to be that you have an issue you might just want to come in and ask us to have a look over um, the medications you might take or and we have access to blood results that maybe the most recent ones you've had um, and we can have a look at those I think also it's in our clinic, we do teach um, the next generation of pharmacists that are coming out. And I think it's really important if we want our pharmacists that are coming out into the community and into, into hospitals and GP practices that they've actually got experience of dealing with patients before they actually register. And so with patients' permission, um, then we have those um, students in learning with us on the job. Now, you're more than welcome to come to the clinic and not have a student that is absolutely fine and we don't always have students in the clinic but when we do we will ask you and there is no pressure on that. So I can come directly to the clinic I can come through the other means to get to the clinic. Yeah so um, there are a couple of ways to to come and see us you can um, self-refer you can just ask us for an appointment and we will never say no we will always see you if you want to see us we, we are happy to see you. 
um, your GP might um, want to send a referral to us because you know we they're very busy and so if we we can do some if they ask us to do something or review something we can do that for them. Um, now there are some GP practices that do have clinical pharmacists attached to the practices and so they're fantastic and they do a similar thing to us um, but there are some GP practices that don't have access to that and so um, for those GPs they might refer to us. Also if you were in hospital there might be your, your nurse or your doctor or your pharmacist in the hospital might refer you to us because they might think that you've had lots of changes while you've been in hospital and they want us to make sure that you understand those or, or check up on something. Maybe there needs a blood test that needs to be done and we can check that for you. Okay so just finally uh, Lauren let's talk about I've got a diagnosis, I've, I've received a diagnosis. Uh, what can I expect from that point on, both in terms of the relationship with the clinic, but in terms of managing my condition? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing is we want to empower patients to be part of the process. We're certainly not there to, to tell you you should do this or you shouldn't do that. I think the biggest thing is people actually having the information on, on their diagnosis and actually different ways that they can address that. I don't think there is necessarily a one size fits all you know um what we can do as well with especially with type 2 diabetes is there have been lots of changes to the guidelines at the moment so there new zealand has access to some medications that we didn't have access to before um which um there are now different criteria so certainly we could have a look and see if you've you've you met any of the criteria to, for those new treatments but your, your doctor normally will be looking at that but as you said if you're not actually going to see the doctor they might not they, they might not actually be on the radar to, to get that review so we're more than happy to do that so it might be that there's a combination of um, medications and lifestyle changes potentially that I might be um, looking at yes definitely I think that the mainstay to start with with diabetes is you know more often than not if you were to come in with um, high blood glucose levels um, or your high HbA1c more depending on what that level was, your your GP would normally advise lifestyle lifestyle changes first. Because if we can if we can get on top of it without medication, then that's all of our goal. You know, we think we people think, you know, pharmacists, we want people on medicines. In fact it's the opposite. If we can get people off of medicines, then that is that is a win for us. So um really making sure is sort of the the ideal, which I think is not necessarily um, achievable for everybody, but sort of 30 minutes of exercise, five days a week, um, making sure that you're eating sort of a, a healthy diet in terms of um, lower, you know, not eating too much salt or, or sugar, those kind of things. But I, th- I think we have to be careful that we don't um, make people feel bad for, for the fact that they've got to, maybe they have put on a bit of weight or they haven't been living, you know, um, in that way because I think everybody has different things going on in their life and so actually we can also be just someone to talk to if, if you're finding that difficult and we might be able to help you come to a decision of well actually five times a week is not achievable for me but I could get off the bus two stops earlier and walk every day and that actually that cumulative you know activity that really makes a difference. Well, let's have those conversations. It's been really interesting having that conversation today with you, Lauren. Thanks so much for joining us here uh, for this spot, Uh, just shining a little bit of a light on diabetes. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Bye. You've been listening to Beyond the Script, conversations with clinical pharmacists from the University of Otago School of Pharmacy Clinic. Hero kawakawa, whare haumanu. 
sharing insights into the clinical consultations that help patients review and manage their medicines. Located on campus at 325 Great King Street, Dunedin, these consultations are an innovative service available free of charge to those in the area or available online via telehealth. Pharmacists will listen to your concerns and questions. They will provide information and advice and they can work with your healthcare providers to help you get the most of your medicines. Call 03-479-8141 to make an appointment or visit their website at otago.ac.nz slash pharmacy clinic. Patient car parking is provided. Terms and conditions may apply. No mai, haere mai. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.